Hey guys, we're in Galatians chapter 2 today. Hope you guys are tracking along with us and uh, excited for the next couple of, of uh, weeks ahead here as we get into what we call the heart of the Bible. That is Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. Um, these four books, they're all short, but they are incredibly dense uh, with divine revelation, showing us really what God's purpose is all about, what the New Testament is all about, and how we how we can experience that, how that interfaces with uh, our our day to day lives and our our part in God's plan. So in Galatians, what we're looking at, like Josh said, is Christ versus religion, um, and you're going to notice a lot of similarities with the Book of Romans, except one major difference, and that is the feel or the tone or the attitude that Paul is writing with. And you can think of Romans like the classroom, where Paul is uh, lecturing um, very clearly and calmly. And Galatians is the exact opposite of that. Galatians is the battlefield. Uh, he's he's presenting the same truths, the gospel, justification by faith, and our experience of Christ for the church. But he is in warfare mode. And that is because... He raised up this church, and after he left, a group of people came in behind him and distorted his message and distracted his spiritual children from the experience and enjoyment of Christ in such a way that they short-circuited God's entire purpose. And so you're going to notice in this letter um, there's a lot of passion and arguments, and uh, Paul is using very strong uh, language, uh, you know. In fact, um, in chapter one, you know, he talked about rescue. I'm going to rescue you. That's verse four. In verse six, he says, "You're deserting from Christ. You're deserting Christ. You're removing from Him." Verse seven, he says, "Someone is perverting the gospel, so they're deserting the person. They're perverting the message. It is just a complete takedown on the gospel." And so Paul is fighting, um, and and that's really how we're going to see how we're going to approach chapter two, we're going to see Paul is fighting for the truth of the gospel so that the saving benefits of the gospel remain with us. I'll say that again. Chapter two, Paul is fighting for the truth of the gospel. You'll you'll notice that phrase in there twice. He's fighting for the truth of the gospel so that the saving benefits of the gospel can remain with us and be experienced by us. And those saving benefits... uh, are twofold. Verse 16 and verse 20, we'll see uh, in just a second that there is an objective once and for all uh, experience of the gospel that becomes the basis for an ongoing experiential dimension of the gospel. Justification, that's the basis. It becomes a kind of a framework and an undergirding support for our experience of Christ living in us. What could be more awesome than that? So Paul is in battle mode, he's in warfare, fighting for the truth of the gospel so that our experience of Christ uh, can remain with us for God's goal, uh, the fulfillment of his purpose. So let's look at this real quick. Um, Chapter 2, I just want to give you the structure of it and then give you the real heart of it. So the structure... um, Maybe a little confusing what Paul's doing here, but back in chapter one, Paul kind of went into biographical mode, and he's arguing from his own history 
for the point that the gospel is not from man. It's a revelation that he received directly from Christ. And the background, particularly of chapter 2, is Acts 15. And if you go back and look at Acts 15, I'll just read you two verses here. Verse 1, this is the problem that's going on with Galatians. It says, Some people came down to teach the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Um, So that's the background of Galatians 2. Paul has gone up to Jerusalem. That's what he says in verse 1 of chapter 2. And he is fighting for the truth of the gospel, which is there is nothing added. There's there's nothing that we have to do to be saved. Um, some people back then were saying, you got to do one thing. You just got to become a good Jew before you can become a Christian. You got to be circumcised. But that is an instance of a whole, uh, that is one instance of a whole uh, network of, of uh, traps in a sense that we could fall into a whole another approach to being right with God, which is good works. We have to perform something. We have to do something of the works of the law to earn an acceptance uh, before God, in a sense, prove our worthiness. And then later in chapter 15 of Acts, which will uh, interface with chapter 2 Galatians, verse 10, Peter says, you know, about this matter, why are you testing God by placing on the placing a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were, were able to bear. So Peter there is saying that this is an unbearable, unbearable yoke, uh, this uh, imposition of the law for salvation. So in chapter 2, that's the background, and Paul is basically going to show Titus and Peter, he's going to present Titus and Peter as examples, one positive, one's negative. Titus is an example of fighting for the truth of the gospel, and Peter is an example of a flight, (laughs) a fight and a flight, a flight from the truth of the gospel. So Paul first uses Titus as an example. He says, when we went up to Jerusalem, I took Titus, and verse 3 says, Titus was not compelled to be circumcised. So Paul, again, is using his own history to say, look, when I went there, I laid out the gospel, that's verse 2, I told them what I, was, what I was speaking, and I presented Titus, and no one compelled Titus to be circumcised. And then he kind of gives just a bunch of details um, to kind of support this and, and uh, support his argument. He says, you know, these people, these pillars of the church, James, Peter, and John, uh, who had this reputation, they didn't add anything. They, they didn't add anything to Paul's message you know, namely circumcision. They didn't say, oh yeah, you got to be circumcised. In fact, they recognized Paul's commission and gave him the right hand of fellowship. So the first point of chapter two uh, that Paul's kind of making here, and that's the structure of this chapter, is that Titus is an example that Paul's bringing up to show us that circumcision wasn't uh, being um, imposed on the believers back then and not even by the, quote, quote, leaders of the, quote, quote, head church. I put both of those in quotes because it's not really how we should think of it, but that's kind of what Paul's saying. Look, these people who are pillars in the church, they didn't say this, so why would you listen to these, um, what Paul calls false brothers? And the point of this is, is if we add something to the gospel, we introduce ourselves into slavery. We become our own Uh, enslavers enslaving ourselves to a system of attempting to please God 
by our own efforts of the flesh, which do not uh, measure up and can never earn our justification. So keep us in a kind of perpetual slavery versus the freedom of justification in Christ and by faith. Okay, the second point Paul makes is with Peter, starting in verse 11. And Peter is a bad example here because he is an example of hypocrisy. And so this was a flight from the truth of the gospel. And Paul uses that same uh, phrase here in verse 14. He says, you're not walking in a straightforward way in relation to the truth of the gospel. So he mentions that phrase, truth of the gospel, in verse 5 and in verse 14. So Peter was shrinking back from associating with Gentile believers when people from the circumcision contingent of the church, a.k.a. Uh, born Jews who grew up pra- practicing the law of Moses, when they came to Peter's town, Peter, uh, in a sense, created a distinction and a separation within the church, and in a sense, imposed again on the Gentile believers to live like Jews. That's what verse 14 says. And Paul counters that. So that's the flight. It's the hypocrisy of um, enforcing uh, becoming like a Jew. That means adopting circumcision, dietary laws. You can eat certain things, uh, ceremonial laws, the Sabbath. All, all those sorts of things were involved in living like a Jew. And the thing is, in the New Testament, all those shadows have been fulfilled in Christ and now no longer are binding. So verse 18 says those things have been destroyed. Verse 19 says we've died to those things. So those don't apply to us, and certainly they don't apply to our relationship to God. Okay, the third point of this chapter, which is really the meat of this chapter, is what is the real uh, essence of the gospel, the goal of the gospel, the heart of the gospel? We fight for the truth of the gospel because unless we have the right message, we won't have the right experience. And Paul spells out this experience in two epic verses, some of the greatest verses in the entire Bible, Galatians 2.16 and 2.20. 2.16 is about justification by faith in Christ, and 2.20 is what flows out uh, effortlessly, freely, joyously, amazingly from that basis, which is Christ lives in us. Both of them are by faith. Notice that. Our faith in the gospel brings a twofold benefit, a justification before God. We're approved by God according to his standard of righteousness. And out of that basis comes a life of expressing Christ because Christ is actually living in us. We are not living based on our own efforts and attempts to please God, but Christ, the one who is well-pleasing to God, is living his life out through us. Two persons with one life and one living, an organic union with Christ through faith, producing a living of Christ. And uh, this is so awesome. Living Christ, this is what the Christian life is all about. Christ living in us through this union. I just want to end with one real experiential entrance into these two verses. Obviously, faith, you know, are, are mentioned in both these verses. But one other key here is in verse 20, love. Uh, When we live a life of love and not law, 
loving God, enjoying God in that love, appreciating Christ for who he is and what he's done, realizing that he gave himself up, not just generically for the world, but for me personally. That realization melts my heart, just breaks the chains of that that slavery to a system of effort, struggling, endeavoring to please God with what I can bring, and it frees me into the enjoyment of Christ, who I uh, I just discover is living in me. The more we love Christ and enjoy Christ in that love union, the more we discover Christ lives in us, which is the real goal of the gospel. So this is Galatians chapter 2, fighting for the truth of the gospel so that the saving benefits of the gospel can be experienced and enjoyed by us, which are being justified by faith and living Christ by faith in an atmosphere of love. Praise the Lord for that, and we will see you guys tomorrow.